This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Do not make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Isn't that Dr. David Banner and the Incredible Hulk with all the uh, superhero talk uh, in and around the movies and if you've got kids, etc.? What looked an awful lot like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday in Charlotte in a rematch with the Carolina Panthers where, my goodness, did the Bucs, after not being able to get first downs and score, not being able to stop the New Orleans Saints in a Sunday night loss, an embarrassing loss, a loss that they'd heard about for an entire week, man, oh, man, did the Bucs respond like an angry football team. Uh, did they respond like the Incredible Hulk? And I go all the way back to Lou Ferrigno in the ripped-up blue jeans, the actual, you know, forget all the computerized special effects. When, when Lou Ferrigno was in slow motion with all the green paint all over him, Incredible Hulk. Uh, that uh, that was something else yesterday. 544 yards of offense, 46 points, a defense that absolutely stymied Carolina in the second half. Yeah, I'd say the Bucks played some angry football and played some great football. Welcome in here to our recap podcast where we give you everything, inside analysis, highlights, post-game interviews, and I've got a special guest joining me a little bit later on. When you get 544 yards of offense, when you have a 98-yard touchdown run to set the team record like Ronald Jones uh, did on Sunday, when you're running the ball, when you're protecting Tom Brady the way that the Bucks' offensive line was, i got to talk to a former lineman, uh, an alumni of the, of the turnaround Buccaneers under Tony Dungy, Played in a lot of big games and playoff games. I love Jorge Diaz still here in the area. Former guard on those teams with Trent Dilfer and Mike Allstott and Warwick Dunn and uh, Keyshawn Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. All of those uh, players in the late 90s. So I look forward to talking with Jorge later on in the podcast. And a reminder, however you found us through a social media link or whether you found us through the Buccaneers mobile app or Buccaneers.com, make sure you subscribe As I always say to this podcast, it comes automatically to you if you're a subscriber through the app, through the website, and uh, make sure that you find us uh, wherever podcasts are found, through Apple Podcasts, etc., just by searching Nothing But Bucks. We're here after each and every game. And, and obviously, I'm in a much better mood because I got tons of highlights that we're going to get to coming up here as we get into the uh, the 46-23 double-up of the Uh, Carolina Panthers to complete the season sweep and get the Buccaneers back on the winning track at seven and three and right in the thick of things still uh, behind the New Orleans Saints in the division race after the Saints came from behind and beat the 49ers but right now the number five seed dare we say in the NFC playoff picture which again we don't know what's going to happen next week much less into December much less with the actual playoffs that the NFL is going to have in this crazy 2020 year Will it remain the same as it stands right now? Uh, There is supposed to be an extra playoff team anyway for the 2020 season and the 2021 January playoffs. But there may be a couple of extra teams, as it turns out, and there may be eight playoff teams in each conference. Who knows? Still, if you do not win the division, and the division is not gone, by the way, with six games still remaining, you could still find a way to win the division, especially if Drew Brees is significantly hurt. We'll talk more about this later on in the podcast. But if you're not going to win the division, you want to be in the five spot playing the least of the other division winners, which speaking of the least would be the NFC least right now where the Eagles and the Giants sit atop that division with three wins each. And you've already beaten the New York Giants, by the way. So uh, for the moment, the Bucks sit in that five-hole in the NFC playoff picture by virtue of the win on Sunday. We'll start projecting more about that in the coming weeks. And again, do you finish the entire regular season? I'm optimistic and believe you're going to get all 16 games in when it's all said and done. If not, what does the playoff picture look like? And that's why you want to win as many games as possible, particularly here with these next couple of games at home. Huge matchups with the Rams and the Chiefs. We'll talk a little more about this at the end of the podcast with what's coming up next. But if you can get the Rams Monday night win and the Chiefs win and get to a ninth game and then whatever happens, happens with COVID-19 and games and pause button and whatever might happen, 
It's going to behoove you to have gotten to the eighth win or the ninth win already before the December slate of games. And a reminder, the Buccaneer bye week is already scheduled to be in play for week 13 after the Rams and the Chiefs game. So you want to be sitting pretty. You want to win them all, but you certainly want to win these that are right in front of you at home for playoff seating and playoff purposes. And that's all because this team bounced back on Sunday. Again, we've got highlights. We've got post-game interviews. You're going to hear from Bruce Arians. You're going to hear from Ronald Jones on his record-setting touchdown run. Jason Pierre-Paul off the defense. Of course, uh, the future Hall of Famer Tom Brady at the controls at quarterback. How good was Brady again yesterday? I know he's going to say this. You'll hear Bruce Arians say this. They left some plays out there, and they did. I mean, there were there were a couple of long ones that he'd love to have the throwback to Antonio Brown in the first half. He'd love to have a throwback to Gronk uh, in the second half, who was down the seam for a touchdown, and he missed him. He overshot it. But, man, when you're nitpicking at a game when the quarterback throws for over 300 yards and three more touchdowns and you score 46 points, I, I remember having to do so many postgame shows on Tampa Bay Sports Radio or, or wherever else that I've gotten the privilege to do national stuff via Sirius XM, via Fox Sports Radio on, uh, on Saturday nights and fill-in work, where I would have to come in and explain the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not being able to score touchdowns. The Dungy, I mentioned Trent Dilfer, Mike Shula, uh, offensive coordinator, uh, all-stat done. You would, you would struggle to score 13 points in a game or 16 points in a game. And I know the NFL has changed and they've loosened up the rules and it favors scoring and it favors passing, but still, this is heaven. It's euphoria to watch three, four, five touchdowns a week, 25, 30, 35 points a week, to go into the half at 17-17, believing full well this team's going to score 21, 28 points in a second half, like what they did again on Sunday. So uh, I'm anxious to talk much more about that as everything uh, unfolds here with the highlights. And man, there was just an explosion of what went on uh, in this one on Sunday. How can you not be enthused and energized off of what we saw? All right, so let's get to it. Uh, the, uh, The Buccaneers found themselves in a bit of a hole early on in this game as uh, Ronald Jones had the turnover early and that set up a short field for Carolina and it got them on the board with the first touchdown of the game right here to break out 7-0. Their second first down on the series from inside the 10. Play action fake, dropping his bridge one of those toward the end of caught ball in the end zone. Touchdown Carolina Panthers. Tight end Colin Thompson makes the catch. He was open by three steps in the end zone, and Carolina makes the Bucks pay for the turnover on our first possession of the game. So that one after the Ronald Jones fumble, after the short field, and Bridgewater capitalized. And look, uh, I didn't say this at the beginning of our comments before we get to these highlights and more of them from Mean Gene and Dave Moore on the uh, on the Buccaneer radio calls. This Carolina team, after the Bucs beat them in Week 2, went on to win three games in a row and, and, and went toe-to-toe with the World Champion Chiefs in Kansas City down to the final a play of the game, down by two with a chance to kick a long, long 67-yard field goal that was no good. So this was not just a patsy, pushover, terrible team. This is not the Cincinnati Bengals or the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, that you're playing on Sunday. So Carolina gets the 7-0 lead, but I like the bounce back of the Buccaneers and the drive that Brady put together, a 75-yard drive. It had a fourth down conversion. It had a big third down throw to Chris Godwin that we don't have in the highlights. And then it led to third and goal right here. Bunch of receivers to the right, including Rob Gronkowski. Here's a pass to the left side. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Cameron Brait lined up on the left edge. And great hands, he dives and makes the catch. And the Bucks are a point away from time. That's how you answer a turnover, give a gift touchdown. So that touchdown, even things at 7-7. And you're right in the game. But uh, again, for uh, the... Uh, for the Panthers, they were not going to roll over. And, and Bridgewater got them going again and got in the end zone on a touchdown scramble to put Carolina up 14-7. Defense was reeling a little bit at the beginning of this game, giving up a couple of scores, but eventually they would buckle down. And we've seen that a time and again that once the second quarter gets rolling, that they're able to make adjustments, uh, get a little break over on the sideline. That was the difference than, than last Sunday night, obviously, when you kept going three and out and giving the ball right back to the Saints. The defense didn't have time to talk, communicate. You'll hear Coach Bruce Arians say more about that later on when we play his postgame interview. The communication on the sideline and on the field had to be better. 
Uh, Brady led the Bucks on a long drive, got into scoring range, and then for, for one of the rare times this year, did not get the six. Instead, got a Ryan suck-up field goal, and that cut the lead to 14-10. Panthers would answer with a Joey Sly field goal of their own to make it 17-10. Uh, uh, his 46-yard field goal put him back up by a touchdown. But really from then on, the Buccaneers mid-second quarter on dominated this game. And it began with the uh, future Hall of Famers Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski hooking up on a long one here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkapoli. <laughs> He takes the ball away from a defender, shoves him out of his way. This is my football son, and Troy Pride has to just get on his back and bring him down inside the five-yard line. That's vintage, vintage Rob Gronkowski. 44 yards on that catch and run, and, and for the haters that still want to say that Gronkowski can't make plays down the field, he got free, ran over a DB, looked like the Gronk of old. As Gene was calling it, it was vintage Gronkowski there on uh, on that catch inside the five. That would eventually lead to another clutch moment as the Bucks were looking in the back of the end zone here. Brady had enough time to find uh, what, a, what a fantastic weapon in the red zone and goal to go, Mike Evans. Trailing 17 to 10. Brady takes the snap, hand play action fake, rolling to his left, throws it to his left, caught ball in the end zone. Is it caught inside the end zone? It is, touchdown Tampa Bay. Great catch by Mike Evans, right on the inline. The official looked and looked and looked and raised his arms. And the Buccaneers are a point away from tying this game. The thing about Mike Evans is yes, the catch radius and the long arms, but he has got fantastic hands, such strong hands that the example was on that play as he went up over the Panther DB and is able Douglas, Rasul Douglas, who had, I mean, Douglas had interfered with him earlier and they didn't get the call uh, in the end zone, had to settle for the field goal. He didn't, he just shook it off. Mike kept playing and he has such strong hands. I mean, Douglas hit him in the helmet and tried to knock it out of his hands as well. And Mike just held on to a great catch in the back of the end zone, tying him once again for the league lead with eight touchdown catches on the season. Uh, Mike moving up on the touchdown chart as well. Uh, his 100th game, got his 500th career reception. No Buccaneer receivers ever had 500 receptions. So Mike going in the record book every which direction. And uh, and that would lead us to a halftime score of 17-17. So you turn around in the second half and the Bucks put a drive together and get a field goal and lead 20-17. And then the defense does its job out of the locker room with the lead, forcing Bridgewater and the Panthers to punt. And then that would set up history. The punt was downed at the two-yard line, and the Buccaneers step out on their next possession in the third quarter, and time for the record book. In motion, Chris Godwin. Brady, hard count, hands the ball off. Rojo pops it free. Out across the 10 to the 15-20. Rojo to the 30. Rojo to the 40. Rojo to the 50. Rojo to the 40. Rojo to the 30. High seven to the 20. It'll be a 98-yard touchdown run by Ronald Jones the second. Touchdown Tampa Bay. You just heard Gene Deckerhoff call the longest offensive touchdown play in Buccaneer history. Can't get much longer than 98 yards other than 99 yards on the handoff to Ronald Jones. Second longest touchdown run, obviously, in the history of the NFL, joining three other players, including most recently Derrick Henry of the Titans. A 98-yard touchdown run. Of course, Tony Dorsett on Monday Night Football. Who can forget the late Dandy Don Meredith on Monday Night Football? 99 yards and a half as he's, run <laughs> as he's running down the field. And one forgotten moment about that play for the Cowboys on Dorsett's 99-yard all-time record touchdown run is the Cowboys only had 10 guys on the field. They had one less blocker for Dorsett because of confusion, and they ran the touchdown with Drew Pearson, the legendary receiver, blocking two Vikings down the sideline for Dorsett's run. Ronald Jones now in that neighborhood, in that club, with a record-breaking 98-yard touchdown run. You'll hear more from him in a little bit here on Nothing But Bucks about that TD run. He goes in the record book for all time, and as I pointed out on the broadcast, and now others have picked up on it as well. He was using the video board. He's running at Bank of America Stadium, looking at the video board to see where the defender was behind him. And he kind of changed his angle of how he was running so that Chin, the safety for the Panthers, couldn't get a good angle to leap at his legs. 
and he timed it perfectly watching the video board. I mean, this is Interactive 2020. I mean, back in the 70s, you didn't have a video board. The 60s and the 70s, did Lombardi's Packers, did uh, John Madden's Raiders, Tom Landry's Cowboys, Chuck Knoll's Steelers have a video board to let one of those running backs or receivers judge where the defender is behind them while they're running? Welcome to the technology of the 2000s and the 2020s. Uh, great, great run by Ronald Jones. Obviously, a back-breaking moment for the Patri- uh, for the Panthers that put them down 27-17, and the Bucks would just crank it up here as the highlights would continue. The defense, in particular, including the veteran defensive lineman, what a leader Jason Pierre-Paul is off the field in the locker room. Huge moment in the third quarter here. Teddy Bridgewater, the quarterback. And he'll play back and drop back to throw. Under pressure, gets the pass. Oh, it's intercepted, picked off. Is it Jason Pierre-Paul with a pick? Bucks run the zone blitz, and number 90 snags an errant pass from Bridgewater. Tampa Bay Buccaneers force a takeaway halfway through the third quarter. First interception in his third season in Tampa Bay for JPP. Third one of his career. Great leaping catch. Uh, you'll hear more from him here coming up from our Hooters postgame show uh, coverage as I got the chance to interview JPP about that interception. Stand by on nothing but Bucks. Another Ryan suck-up field goal makes the game 30-17. And this is to show you how on it the Buccaneers were uh, in every which direction. So much made about uh, having a seven-hour plane problem delay on Saturday in Tampa just trying to get to Charlotte, having to get a, a completely new aircraft because the one they were hoping to fly with uh, had a mechanical problem. As I always like to say, and this is obvious, you want the mechanical problems to be on the ground before you ever leave. They found whatever was wrong, couldn't fix the plane. Seven-hour delay. The players had to bond together, had to go through some pregame, uh, go over some meeting stuff in the airport hangar, in the airport terminal at, at Tampa International uh, where the private aircraft are. I had to wait around, ate some food that was brought to them uh, to, to wait and pass the time, made the most of it. So again, after all of that, to see this team kick in with film study on being able to get the interception of Bridgewater and then even be ready for this. The Panthers looking uh, down 30-17 to to use a trick play on special teams to get back into it to no avail. And a fake punt. It is Charlton Joseph Charlton, and this time he will not complete a 28-yard pass. Good schoolwork by the Buccaneers watching video. They saw him do it last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. And Justin Watson, who was a great student of football, he said, no, not on my watch, you're not going to fake the punt. The Bucs stop him. Yeah, credit uh, special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong and his guys. They were heads up. They stopped. First of all, the Panthers wanted to throw that ball. Uh, with the punter, and it was covered. They were ready for it, and then Justin Watson and the big uh, the, the, the wide receiver and the big defensive uh, tackle, Patrick O'Connor, on special teams were right there to make the tackle. That was the fourth time already this year that Carolina tried a fake punt, and the Bucks stopped him. They also tried a fake punt in week two when the Bucks stopped him. So two for two on out maneuvering and outmatching Matt Rule and his staff on the trickery. And uh, that would uh, that would again lead the Buccaneers to move uh, into scoring range, get another field goal. Ryan Suckup drills uh, his fourth one of the day to make the game at this point 32 to 17. Uh, I may have said 30 to 17 earlier, 32 17 because you had had a missed extra point, a blocked extra point earlier in the game. But the end result here, Tampa Bay just too good uh, in this one as uh, it continued to make plays one time after another, got stop after stop, eventually knocked Teddy Bridgewater out of the game in the fourth quarter. And then the ceiling moment here, leading 39-23 after Brady had capped a drive with a quarterback sneak. Uh, after the Bucks had stopped him on fourth down, they stop him again and get one more opportunity to cash in. Uh, and and that, that was going to be this opportunity on another goal-to-go situation. Brady looking for his favorite red zone target of the last decade plus. Second down and goal from the seven. Here, oh, play action fake. Loud to the end zone. Gronkowski with a touchdown. Nobody near him. A steady die and a rojo. That sets up the play action fake. And that New England combination now in Buccaneer Pewter and Red connects again. Gronk with an easy touchdown grab. Fourth TD in five games for Rob Gronkowski. Wide open on that play action. Who are you going to cover? We keep saying this time after time here as part of nothing but bucks. But who who are you going to double cover? 
You want to double cover Mike Evans? I mean, uh, good luck because then Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin at this point is going to be open or Scotty Miller's going to be open. Uh, you want to try to double cover Gronk and take him away in the middle? All right, so then the guys on the outside, guys like Godwin or Evans are going to be freed up or Antonio Brown down the seam and even Cameron Brake getting free a couple of times. He had the touchdown highlight that we played. He had another great third down leaping catch. Buccaneers just have a wealth. It's almost obscene how many pass catchers they have. And again, as somebody that had to do all of these shows, when you struggled to score and struggled to move the ball, it is just fantastic. It's euphoric to watch all the pass catching weapons and you know what's coming. And the other team knows what's coming and you're still going to be able to have success throwing the ball because you got too many different guys to try to take away Carolina overmatched and blown out in the second half of that of that ball game. A great job by the Buccaneers. Uh, again, off a lot of adversity. Uh, I can't emphasize enough when you're hearing all week about how bad you were, and deservedly so, when you have a tropical storm, Tropical Storm Ada, that moved through and messed up the Wednesday and Thursday practice schedule and practice days because of the weather. Thankfully, everything's still intact at the uh, Advent Health Training Center, one buck place. You're still able to work. You're still able to practice. Then you have the flight adversity of taking an extra seven hours of delay before you can fly to Charlotte and get in late night, Saturday night. You let none of that bother you. That says a lot for veteran leadership in the locker room, the coaching staff, and being able to get it done. Better than me talking about that, let's hear from the participants that were involved, including head coach Bruce Arians joining us when it was done here on our Hooters postgame show. There are so many things that are positives in this game. What are you happiest about, especially off of a tough game last Sunday night? What are you most pleased with? Oh, just the way we handled the, uh, the diversity this week of uh, the storm, having to leave early uh, Tuesday or Wednesday and get in late Thursday, and uh, then with the airplane getting down here so late last night. But our guys stayed focused. I think our running game was outstanding, over 200 yards. We got the turnovers defensively we needed, and uh, – yeah, overall, Tom Brady played great, and uh, and the receivers all made plays. So it was a good, good, solid team win. Let's go immediately to Ronald Jones and the 98-yard touchdown run in the second half. That is the franchise record for an offensive touchdown. Obviously, doesn't get much better than that. Only one more yard. 98-yard touchdown run. Describe. Uh, you guys had a feeling that that play might break. I know you've said that already to the media. Say it to us here about why you thought that. Yeah, Blaine said this is going to split, and I looked at him. I said, "He's got a chance right here." And uh, once he came out there, I knew no one was going to catch him. For that young man, he had a fumble earlier in the game, and you kind of had a moment over on the sideline with him as well as the game was going on. And he just kept pounding and got the 98-yard touchdown, but but came up with 192 total yards. Tell me more about Ronald Jones. Yeah, I just bounced back. I told him, oh, "Look, that stuff happens, and uh, you're our guy." And I expect big things out of you every every time you touch that ball. And uh, we're going to feed you. You ain't coming out of the game. And, uh, and, he, and he responded extremely well. You had the early fumble and then nine consecutive possessions. You got a touchdown or a field goal. How satisfying is that as a, as a head coach and about your offense to, to have that kind of output and that kind of success? Well, I'm never satisfied because love this field goal should have been touchdowns. And uh, we'll look at the film, and we know we left a lot out there. We scored a lot, but we left a lot more out there. And, and we're still getting better and better. Tom Brady is now 8-1 and one in his career after being beaten by 20 points or more. Obviously, all of that was in New England before today. What did you sense from him this week? What did you see out there today from him, if anything different, uh, with the way that he locked in and played this well today? No, nothing different. I mean, he, he prepares and works his tail off every single week. And, uh, you know, he was spot on today and uh, put us in some really good plays and, uh, and made some great plays. Speaking of making plays in the second half, Jason Pierre-Paul, another one of your veteran leaders, gets his third career <laughs> interception. He later also got a sack later on in the game. Just uh, tell me more about his leadership and the way that JPP played today. JPP is so much fun to coach. He has so much energy and uh, – yeah, I was so happy when he when he got that interception and held on to it. Just a big, big play for us. You know, with all the points being scored and all the accolades we're giving, you you basically shut the Panthers down after that 75-yard touchdown drive 
in the first quarter, they didn't get much else. They had the long kickoff return, which led to another touchdown later in the game, but they didn't get much else off of drives or big plays. What are you happiest with? I know you haven't seen the film, but what are you happiest with with the defense today? Our communication. We started communicating. We were not, again, we were not communicating early in the ball game. Todd got on them pretty good about it, and we, and we settled down and, and did our job. On the offensive line, you went to A.Q. Shipley, a guy that you've believed in in the past and has been with you in the past to play center. You moved Ryan Jensen to left guard. Again, I know you've not seen coaches' tape, but when you look at 500 yards of offense and 46 points and a 192-yard rusher like Ronald Jones, some things on the stats obviously stand out. What about the play of the offensive line, even though you had to shuffle it a little bit? Yeah, I thought they were outstanding. You know, I still got time got hit a couple too many times. And, uh, and there's always room for improvement. So, yeah, we, we scored 45 or 46. So we, I felt like we should have scored 60. But um, we, just gotta, we, gotta, we just get better each week. Certainly you did today. Be safe getting back here. Congratulations and enjoy this win. I know you get a little extra time to get ready for the Rams on Monday Night Football. Coach, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. I love the mindset and the attitude of the coach saying, hey, we could have scored more. We kept kicking field goals. We left plays out there, and they did. That's the, that's the mentality of a team that wants to keep scoring and keep throwing it, and that's exactly uh, what the Buccaneers have right now. How many times have we seen this in the second halves of games over and over again, either at Las Vegas or at the Giants or now at the Panthers, where you just pour it on after halftime with the points? And it happened again on Sunday. All right, time to get to the record-breaking moment from Ronald Jones and hear from him after the game was done as he spoke with the media about the 98-yard touchdown run that puts him in the Buccaneer record books and the NFL record books with the second-longest touchdown run in league history uh, as well. And also hanging in there after the early fumble. Here was Ronald Jones yesterday. Ronald, congratulations on a record-setting day. Um, you know, we talked to Bruce Arians, and he said the fumble you had against the Giants really bothered you, but today you didn't let anything get in your way. And, and just talk about your resolve and, and, and that record-setting run you had. Yeah, again, you know, got to thank, you know, the big boys up front, you know, for getting that push to make my job look easy. And then again, uh, the coaching staff, too, for uh, believing in me and keep giving me opportunities. So uh, that's really just what it came down to. You know, it felt good to get back in the win column. Yeah, can you just take us through that entire play and, and um, how it developed and, and even what went through your mind there when you were out running Jeremy Chin on that <laughs> on that run? I mean, it's it tied for one of the longest in NFL history. Mm, yeah, I started looking up at the jumbo charm and, uh, you know, I had to change the angle a little bit, you know, just keep <laughs> trying, you know. Uh, so, again, yeah, offensive line getting a good push and then just, you know, make my job look easy. So, uh, yeah, we definitely needed that. Confidence is so important for, for your position in particular. Um, I know you didn't start the way you wanted to with, with that opening drive fumble. So um, what did Coach say to you to, to get you refocused? And, and what did it mean for you to have an opportunity to redeem yourself like that? Yeah, he, he just said, let it go. You know, uh, team's going to need you today, so you got to get back out there. And that's what I did. You know, good play, bad play. You just got to forget about it. And uh, that was, uh, that was you know, what happened. So, uh, again, you know, still got – you know, a lot to improve on, you know, got to stop making those mistakes. But, you know, ultimately we came out with the win. So feels good all together. Hey, Raleigh, when you came here, your highlights from USC were, were long touchdown run after long touchdown run, 60, 80 yards. How much did this feel like that in terms of seeing the open field and just pulling away from people? Yeah, it felt good, you know, uh, put on a little weight, you know, since college. So definitely, you know, top end speed still there. So, uh, yeah, it felt good, you know, finally get that long one, you know, uh, and, you know, again, get a team a boost, you know, too, because I think the game was tied. So uh, definitely needed that, you know, just to you know, make up for, you know, mistakes in the past and just, uh, yeah, get the, get the ball moving again. Well, this was such a crazy week for you guys coming off a bad loss. You get a practice bump by Hurricane. You spend yeah. seven hours on the runway yesterday in the, in the airport. Just, just what was it like to, to find focus today and get such a convincing win? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, probably one of the craziest weeks, you know, I've had since I've been in the league. So, uh, again, coach always says, you know, the game is scheduled when it's scheduled. We got to go out there and play, you know, and we're professionals. So, you know, you just got to bounce back and uh, do what we did today. Hey, Rojo, uh, did you feel like not having much work the last couple of weeks have really freshened up your legs in the middle of the season? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Uh, but definitely, you know, you want those opportunities as a running back. You know, you want to touch the ball, help the team. So, you know, it felt good. You know, coaches, uh, you know, relying on me and, you know, letting me uh, come back from, you know, uh, those couple couple weeks. Hey, Ronald, 
by the time you got through the line of scrimmage, there was only one guy to beat. Could mm-hmm. you talk about what you saw as the play developed? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I saw the, the linebacker shift over. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, probably cut back to the left, you know. And, then, you know, it was off to the races. And started looking at the Jumbotron. I'm like, dang, you know, buddy's moving, you know, back there. So, you know, I changed the angle and then just uh, keep striding, you know, cold turkey. So, uh felt good, you know, get that long run, though. When, when he made that diving uh, attempt to stop you, could you feel it at all as he hit you? Yeah, yeah, I could feel it. You know, uh, probably shouldn't have looked at the Jumbotron, but, you know, it gave me an idea where he was. And you know, I didn't know, you know, where the corners or anybody. So just try to go down the middle and change the angle on him. And again, I've said this before. I said it on the broadcast yesterday. Uh, the adversity that he went through in year one with the previous coaching staff, making him inactive for the first three games, putting him on the bench, uh, not getting playing time after being a second-round pick. Uh, Ronald Jones became tougher mentally for that, came in working hard with the new coaching staff, with Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator, with Todd McNair as the running backs coach. And I love what Bruce Arian said. He went to Ronald Jones and said after the turnover, we're going to keep you in. We are not taking you out here. And man, did it pay off. He looks every bit the part of a second-round explosive pick. That's finally that's one of the first times that he was able to show the wheels in the open field that we saw so many times at USC. Good on Ronald Jones. Good also on JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, who again helped lead this defense, had a takeaway, had a sack. And again, on our Hooters postgame show, I spoke with the veteran about the win. There was a lot of adversity this week, as the coach was saying. Tropical storm, long travel day yesterday. What does it say for the character of this team to play this well today and get the win? I say the focus. The focus is uh, tremendous, you know, because of the fact that at the end of the day, you know, we all you know did what we had to do, you know, with the with the ups and downs that we had to uh, had to settle for uh, yesterday, this past week, actually. Absolutely. Uh, They got a touchdown on a long drive to go up 14-7. You guys locked them down after that. What adjusted? What changed? Uh, We came in in the locker room, and we know that we gave them everything they got. Uh, Came back as a defense, special team, and offense, and did what we needed to do as a team. You know, we wasn't playing to their level. We just say, you know, we'll recuperate and and go out there second half and do what we need to do. We already know what they're doing. They just go 100% and, and... and do that. That's what we did. You got an interception, as I mentioned, your third of your career. Describe the play. Did you bait Teddy Bridgewater a little bit into throwing that ball? Uh, no, nah, it was it was more of you know, uh, of, it was more of you know seeing it on film and and then also you know my coach you know you know stressing it. Hey, you know we ought to get back early, early that way uh, we could be there. And, and sure enough, while I was while I was dropping, I was thinking of what my coach was saying and. And, and sure enough, I got back early, and then I was right there to settle, and he threw it. I knew I was going to catch it for sure this time because I was ready and, and, and ready to take off for a touchdown, but that didn't happen. <laughs> it's all right. You still got the pick. And before I let you go, you're a right. veteran. You've won a championship before. This is a regular season game, but this team uh, obviously suffered embarrassment last Sunday night. To bounce back like this, I mean, it bodes well for a team that's got veterans on it that know how to win, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's what the guys do. You know what I mean? And, and we all got to play together like we did the second half and start giving teams, you know, what we give them. And just coming out be the the, the, the the knife of the defense, the offense be the, the, the foundation and special team too. And we all we going to get it done. And that's all I can really say. Yep, the Buccaneers have to be thrilled. They also realize and understand, again, Jason Pierre-Paul has a ring, just like Gronkowski and Brady have six of them. Of course, JPP got his at the expense of the Patriots with the New York Giants. When you got guys that have won championships, they know and understand what it continues to take in November and December to become a playoff caliber, if not Super Bowl contending team. And so there is still a lot of work to be done. And nobody knows that better than the Hall of Famer to be Tom Brady. Uh, again, another 300-yard game, a great bounce-back game. Brady now 8-1 and one when he's been beaten by 20 points or more. Most of those with the New England Patriots, obviously. Uh, he had the 20-point-plus loss last week in the game against uh, the Saints. 
Now he's played nine times, nine in his career, off a 20-point or more loss in New England or Tampa Bay. He's now 8-1. and one. 22 touchdowns, one interception in the nine games. I'd say Mr. Brady knows how to bounce back better than me telling you more. Here's what he thought of the 46-23 victory on Sunday to bounce back. Tom, can you put in perspective, you know, just what you guys have had to overcome with the storm, with the delay yesterday on the airport, and to come out here and play so well on offense? I think you scored on nine straight possessions. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, a lot of mental toughness from the guys this week. And, uh, you know, B.A. just said from the beginning, like, there's no excuses. You know, there's – we got delayed. You know, he was frustrated by it, but whatever got in at 1130 and – you know, dealt with the storm earlier in the week, you know, but we're just focused on coming out and doing a better job and, um, you know, play better than we played last week, obviously. Um, and it's in there. We just got to do it consistently and continue to make plays and run the ball like we ran it today. Um, the line did a great job and then keep getting the ball to the guys who can make plays with it. And um, there were a lot of guys spread it around quite a bit today. And um, it's going to have to keep improving, getting better. And uh, we got a huge game coming up Monday night. Tom, some of your best performances this season have come on the heels of losses. What is it about those games that, I mean, is it, is it just that it forces you to dig deeper and, and to grow? Uh, what is it about those losses that you think propels you to have some of your best performances the following week? Well, it's a team sport. So, I mean, it's the, the team has got to come together and understand, you know, the things that we need to improve. And football's football's it's tough. It's not a game of perfect, you know, it's, you got a lot of talented players. You got a lot of talented coaches and you got to figure out ways to win. And every week's a little different. We got different guys in there doing different things. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of things have to go right. And, uh, you know, we're working hard at it to, to make it better every week. That's what we got to do. Hey, Tom, obviously you've made a lot of adjustments this season, but this week to have a change at center, to have two starters in new places in the offensive line, just want to ask you how well that worked and, and how much the line played in, in the success you guys had today. They did a great job. AQ's done a great job since he got to us, and uh, he was prepared to go. He's a tough, hard-nosed guy. Uh, Ryan did a great job moving over to guard. Um, Cap hung in there. You know, he always does. He's as tough as they come. Tristan's doing an incredible job, and uh, and Donnie's doing a great job. So we're getting great protection. They're doing great in the run game, blocking hard, being really aggressive up front, and um, it was definitely great to see him play physical today. So that's what we needed. Hey, Tom, obviously uh, Rojo had a killer game for you guys. What can you say about how he ran today? And from your perspective um, on his long touchdown run, what were you thinking and at what point did you think he was gone? I saw him get through there and then he made a cut on the safety and I saw him just get through the safety and, and uh, he was taking off. We were all excited. He's probably about the 50 yard line. And I was like, is he going to make it? You know, is he going to open up and go? And then, you know, you kind of saw a chin close on him. I know how fast chin is. And, uh, you know, yeah. he just kept going. Yeah. And uh, it was a, uh, yeah. what's up, boys? Boys are hyped up. And, uh, you know, he broke away and he kept going. So that was fun. It was great to see, man. You don't have too many 98-yard runs. I don't think I've ever had any 98-yard runs, um, you know, that I've been a part of. So it was great to see the back of the 27 jersey rolling down the field. And um, just great to see him make that play. The line made a big hole for him. And that was a big play in the game. Hey, Tom, congrats on the win. Uh, when you look at, at last week, third down was the enemy of, for you guys. This week, you converted 63%, even converted a fourth down. Um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, A.B., Cam Brate. Um, what was going right for you guys on third down? It seemed like like uh, when you needed guys to be open, they were, and your passes were on the money. I think we've got to you know keep improving that area, too, because there were still some plays out there that were just uh, you know really close on, just not quite – hundred percent. So, um, you know, that's a good hard nosed football team. They cover well. Um, we just made some more plays this week than last week and we just got to keep learning as we go. It's, it's nothing easy about football. You just, it's a long marathon, you know, every game's tough and uh, it's tough to go on the road and win and had six road games and, uh, you know, just got to keep, keep fighting. Tom, you mentioned a lot of mental toughness from the guys this week. Did you feel that you personally had to really tap into your own mental toughness after a rough last Sunday and, and the other challenges after that this week? You know, anytime you lose, it sucks for you, for your coaches, for your families, for your friends, for your, you know, the everyone who follows you. It just, but, you know, every year you got the same amount of teams in the NFL that win and lose, you know, it's, you can't win them. 
you know, it's, it's one team wins, one team loses. And when you lose, you got to figure out how to get back on track. So there's no excuses. This team hasn't made any excuses all year. We just get to work and go back there and try to do better. Hey, Tom, um, what goes into the decision for Shipley to move the center and, and, and Jensen to go over to guard? Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk suggested that you made the move because you're disillusioned with Ryan Jensen. Any truth to that uh, silliness? There is. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to respond to everybody that says everything. That's that's completely. Um, I have no idea. That's never heard that. I love Ryan Jensen. He's been one of the guys that has been a rock for me. Um, great teammate. Great player. Uh, brings it every day. He's got great energy and enthusiasm. And um, I love playing with Ryan. I've, I've played with a lot of great centers over the years. And um, Ryan's just a, a great player. So. I heard people kicking around the whole most valuable player talk and how it was out the window after the Saints game. Uh, guess what? It's not a nine-game season. You now have played ten games. You've got six more to go. If the Buccaneers keep rolling and winning, it's going to be tough to argue that Brady is not the most valuable player. I know there are other guys. I mean, Mahomes is Mahomes in Kansas City, and you can make the argument they're not the same team without him. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay at the quarterback position. But for what Brady has done to energize this offense, if the winning continues to a 10th, 11th, maybe even a 12th victory if you can get there, the MVP race is not over with in mid-November, kids, with what Tom Brady looks like right now. All right, there are the conversations from after the game yesterday. I'm ready for another conversation and breakdown from somebody that's been in the trenches in the past in Buccaneer lore, including on playoff teams. Let's get to that conversation now. Yes, as advertised, who better to give me some great insight into the Buccaneers' offensive performance, in particular the line up front blocking for Ronald Jones on Sunday, keeping Tom Brady upright for most of that game for a 544-yard offensive output. Then former Buccaneer offensive lineman, offensive guard during the turnaround of the late 90s, including the playoff years, Jorge Diaz played four seasons with the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks! Great to have you on the Nothing But Bucks podcast here, the official uh, Buccaneers recap podcast here on the website. Great to have you and great off of a win like that. How are you uh, coming off of uh, off of this weekend? I'm doing great, TJ. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, pleasure to watch the Bucks score all those points a week after not being able to make first downs, being shut out and shut down through the first half. Everything turned around. You saw this yesterday. You have obviously a different vantage point, more inside having played at the highest level. What did you see about why the Bucks turned it around so much, especially on offense? I think they were really physical at the point of attack yesterday, and, and they had a great balance. I think in that first quarter especially, even though we've seen them over the, the, this, this season start off a little bit slower in the first quarter, they were able to maintain and stay within the game plan in that first quarter, get some points, get some confidence, and oh boy, things started to roll for them. And you could see Tom Brady have confidence dispersing the ball, uh, spreading it around the seven, eight different receivers yesterday, and then that running game. And then everything can come off the running game. And when you can stick with it and not abandon it, uh, you saw some really, really great things. And I thought up front yesterday, a much better uh, much better game out of the, out of the offensive line. Uh, Shipley stepped in and did you know a great job. And you know moving Jensen to left guard, that gave them – strength, aggressiveness, and a, a, you know, a, a, a point of emphasis of being aggressive at the point of attack that uh, you know, they like to run between the tackles, and, and they were able to make some big plays out of that. You know, it's good to talk to you whenever I get a chance. It is fantastic when you can relate to exactly what the Buccaneers were doing on the interior, having played offensive guard basically your whole career, college, and in the NFL. So Ryan Jensen has to slide two feet over from center to left guard. Not as easy as, hey, just go play guard. Tell me, tell me more about that when he had to make the position switch there, and it obviously clicked uh, for the Bucs. Well, you know, he's athletic enough and has, you know, he's a great talent and athletic enough to make that switch over and, and play that position. 
Obviously, the probably the biggest change was for Shipley and Tom Brady getting snaps and getting that in-game rhythm. Uh, but, you know, that's never an easy thing. And you can see that the Bucks have maybe he's practiced there a couple times as an emergency guard or situation. And so he was prepared enough to step in there and then not miss a beat. And you saw some of those big runs came right behind him and Shipley in that in that area. So they did a great job and a great job for him to show his versatility as well. So I said on the radio, the 98-yard touchdown that's being replayed everywhere on the Internet, NFL Network, ESPN, Fox, all of it. Watch Ryan Jensen get to the second level, making like Jorge Diaz back in the day, blasting. I don't know if that was a linebacker or a safety, but Jorge, he eradicated somebody to free up Ronald Jones to run through the crease and take off. Uh, When you're an offensive lineman and you used to do this with Dunn or with Allstott and you see them get free, get into the open field after you've made a block, what's going through your mind? Do you start smiling ear to ear when you see that downfield? Well, it's the greatest feeling because, you know, as an offensive lineman, it's grunt work. It's not glamorous. You're, the only time you get your name called is when you get a penalty. But when you see your guys uh, breaking free and making big plays down the field and your work, you know, uh, the work that you're putting in pay off and moving the sticks or scoring touchdowns, it is a, it is a gratifying feeling for an offensive lineman. And so I know those guys, uh, you know, they got beat up pretty good last week. Uh, and the entire team did, uh, but great vindication of coming back, sticking with the game plan and being aggressive uh, and attacking, staying in attack mode the entire game. And they did a great job yesterday, and it was great to see uh, Jones break off. He's got some great, he's a great talented back. I like him a lot. I love watching him play. And, you know, he that's a great example of just needing a crease. He made the rest happen, broke some, broke some, some tackles and man, he was out the gate. So it was, it was really, uh, as an offensive lineman, I can, I can empathize with them and I understand uh, how they feel after those big plays because it's, uh, it's, you know, job well done for great work. No doubt. Tom Brady was running down the 90-plus yards with the number one finger in the air. And Ryan Jensen, by the way, made it all the way down to the end zone to celebrate with Ronald Jones. Uh, that te- that's, that says to me, without saying it, that says to me, team unity, team coming together, uh, that, that, uh, that I think bodes very well for the future. It's not everything, but that's an important thing about togetherness and, and go celebrate with your teammates and that kind of thing. And that's not easy for a big fella at 300 pounds to go run 90 yards down to the end zone to go celebrate as opposed to, hey, I'll go catch you over here on the sideline, right? It, you're right. It, it's not. And it, and I think it's also telling in these times, too, where, you know, there's very little people in the stands and the greatest cheerleaders. In the, in the, and sometimes you feel, especially when you're on the road and especially these days, um, you know, those 53 guys in that coaching staff, everyone that came with you is all you got. And, you know, you support each other, you rally around each other. And it seems like this team is really starting to come together and, and, and is enduring some some difficult uh, times as well. You know, uh, you can go back to last week and not in a tough outcome and bouncing back this week and, you know, knowing everything, knowing that that's the team they can be and they can be week in and week out. Anyone can have a bad day. They have a bad day. They bounced back yesterday and they're celebrating it. And it's great to see these guys have some fun, especially when they can't celebrate with fans. Can't get enough of this, man. Love Jorge Diaz. Uh, great affection for all the Buccaneers that helped turn this team and franchise around right after the Glazers bought the team. Jorge was a uh, an undrafted free agent who became a starter for this team in the 96 season, the first year of Tony Dungy, was a starter uh, all throughout the 97 playoff year. We're going to get to a couple of stories about that uh, here in a moment or two. Uh, all the way to the NFC Championship game run in 1999 against the then St. Louis Rams. So he's experienced winning at the highest level. All right, relate this because Dave Moore played on those teams with you at tight end, our radio analyst, and he was talking about the 99 Oakland game. Bad memory, yes. You go out to Oakland, get destroyed. (laughs) But what he talked about was what happened after that. Tony Dungy. Uh, Monty Kiffin locking everything back in and finishing up the next three games or so of the regular season strong, going into the playoffs and winning a playoff game and getting the NFC Championship game. What do you remember? I know it's been a little while. What do you remember about how you guys refocused after an awful, embarrassing loss? And the Bucks have many more regular season games. That game was a December, like a mid-December game. You have many more regular season games. 
But what do you remember and how can you relate to the present Buccaneers having to shake that off as they did yesterday uh, because you went through it? Oh, man, I can relate totally with that because, uh, you know, Dave was right. We went out there. We were rolling. We were one of the NFC's hottest teams at that time. You know, we had a lot of confidence, and it just got steamrolled. And, you know, we all got on that plane. We all came back home, and everyone forgot about uh, that performance and moved on to the next week. And Tony Dungy and that staff were, were able to I – don't, I don't think we even watched the game film from that, that performance. We just – we knew we were better than that, and we knew that performance didn't indicate what we were capable of, and we just started focusing on uh, focusing on the next week and the next opponent. Um, and and that following week couldn't come fast enough because when you lay an egg like that and nothing works, um, it had been a long time since we had been beaten and beaten in that way. And uh, you know we just knew we were we were a much better football team than that, and I think the the current Buccaneer team knows that as well. They're very talented everywhere, and when they get this thing going, and they can be consistent, and they can week in and week out come out and perform, uh, it's it's not unrealistic for them to see them put up the points that they're putting up week after week. They uh, they have a lot of firepower when they can get healthy, and they can be consistent. We can see the same same capable results in this team possibly you know, making a deep playoff run. Love the insight of Jorge Diaz with me here, who played five seasons, went on and played another year with the Dallas Cowboys in 2000, five seasons in the NFL, four of them with the Bucks at the highest level in the playoffs as well. Uh, you, uh, If you're a longtime resident of the Tampa Bay area, you've seen Jorge all over television with Fox 13's Buccaneer coverage and uh, local insight and analysis. We'll get to a little more about what else he's up to uh, in a moment or two. All right, a couple of fun ones. When we go back, and I love to reminisce with former players, when we go back to when you guys turned it around, clinched a playoff berth, and then defeated the Detroit Lions in the wild card playoff game, I still remember that like it was yesterday, even though it was now, Jorge, this cannot be possible 23 years ago that that happened in that wow. season. I know, I'm an old man, you're not an old man. But uh, it's it's amazing how that all turned around. When you reflect on that playoff win, it wasn't everything. It wasn't winning a Super Bowl. But, man, satisfaction, the area on fire for the Buccaneers, uh, winning a playoff game. I still remember Brad Culpepper riding on the Tampa police officer's horse with him, the fireworks going off. It was just uh, you know, Tony Dungy pumping his fists at the crowd, running off the field. It was a magical time, wasn't it? Pick up on that, please. No, it was a real magical time. And, you know, a year before that, um, you know, we were, I was a rookie. Uh, I was Tony Dungy's first year here. And, you know, we lost the first seven games of the season and won and, and then won one game against Minnesota. That was the change. And, you know, at that midway point of the season, Tony told us, hey, if you put two five and three uh, halves of the season, you can get in at 10 and six. So let's focus on that. We did. We finished five and three that, that year. Everyone stayed in the offseason and worked in, in the summer. Everyone was there for workouts. Um, it was a collaborative effort of a group of guys who wanted to win, came from winning cultures and wanted to turn this thing around with a lot of great players with great character and you know it was a gratifying feeling to finally get over that hump and win a playoff game in our hometown uh, in front of our fans and it was the last game i believe in the sombrero as well so that was a special time and a special moment and it is one of those magical moments of, of my career where you know the fireworks are going off everyone's having a great time and <laughs> the, the, the crowd wanted to jump on, on the field and celebrate with you it was um, it was just a, a really magical moment and a great memory, TJ. No doubt. No doubt about that, about turning things uh, around. All right, so let the Buccaneer fans know, because they're always curious. You've stayed in this area. You love this area with your wife, with your family. Uh, you, you are part of the Bloomin' Brands restaurants with Fleming Steakhouse. Pick up on why you are still here, why you have so much love for this area that you're still part of this community. No, you know, well, I'm I'm originally from the Texas area, and when I came out here, and then I met my wife, my kids were born here, um, and you know, it's a it's a it's a beautiful place to live. It's a great place to raise a family, and we love this area, and we could we couldn't fathom calling another place home. And after football, um, I got into broadcasting and radio as well, and worked with the local Fox affiliate as well. But I also have gotten in the restaurant industry as well, and. 
Um, in 2004, I joined uh, the Fleming's Prime Steakhouse family, which is part of the Blue Moon Brands company. Uh, and uh, I've been with them uh, for 14 years. And, you know, we just recently celebrated our 20-year 20, 20 anniversary this last week. Wow. Being here in the Tampa Bay community. And, um, you know, it's been a, you know, for me, it, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy um, that aspect of, uh, of the business. Uh, I enjoy, you know, meeting people, building relationships and, you know, doing it around a table is a really gratifying feeling, celebrating people's special occasions. Uh, it's, it's really the hospitality business is an amazing business. It's an amazing group of people, uh, a lot like in professional sports. Um, you got a lot of people, a lot of role players, but, um, you know, it's a gratifying thing to work with so much, so many amazing people, uh, at, with Flemings and with Bloomin' Brands here in the Tampa area. So, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun, and it's what I'm doing now, and uh, it's been my passion to, to try to serve this community as best we can and uh, through these difficult times and through the good times as well. And so, um, you know, really enjoying that aspect of, of what I'm doing now. Well, I love uh, this man for a lot of reasons, but uh, he's got a fantastic personality and a way with people. I'm bragging on you now uh, that people should know about. My wife and I came to have dinner for her birthday at your restaurant, and I had not seen you, had not talked to you, had not told you that we were there. And suddenly Jorge Diaz was at the table wishing my wife happy birthday and saying thank you for coming in. And I looked at her and said, that's the same guy he was 25 years ago, and that's the same guy he will be 25 five years from now so a uh, fantastic testament to you and everything you're doing uh with uh, with Flemings and, Bro- and Blumen Brands good on you good on you for a lot of different reasons uh Jorge all right one more let's bring it back we've got a hall of famer to be at quarterback with Tom Brady you, you obviously have weapons everywhere on this team how excited are you the former players, everybody, about what's about to unfold here. If all things are equal, he stays healthy. This has the potential to get really exciting again, just like 97, 99, Super Bowl year of 02. How excited are you? I know you're talking with some of your former teammates, et cetera, for what the potential is here, Jorge. I, I, I think the sky's the limit. And, you know, the thing is with, with Tom is that he still – He's not the same player he was 10 or 15 years ago, but we don't need him to be because he's surrounded by so much talent. All we need him to do is make great decisions. And, you know, he's shown that he, he can do that. And they're getting comfortable in this in, in, in Bruce's system. And as soon as, you know, that can start to glitch, and I, I think we're seeing that. I think the best football of Tom Brady and this Buccaneer team that, that and this new system that he's in is yet to come. I think, you know, they're, you know, we think about, man, they scored 45 points and they haven't exploded. He's not saying they haven't exploded yet, but I mean, I think, I think they can score a lot more points. And I mean, you, you see 544 yards yesterday. I mean, I think uh, if, if they can get this thing going and consistently, you know, and, 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 and get off to faster starts, uh, you're talking about some really video game-like numbers uh, for Tom Brady and some of these guys. But I, I think as long as they keep distributing the ball evenly and, and getting everyone involved, and, and you know, it's great to see Mike Evans back in the end zone, making touch, making plays. But they got so many weapons just to make the right decision and get it to the right guy who's open and or, or can get them the positive yards. This offense is going to take off. And the Bucks, you know, they have, they're loaded on offense, loaded on defense. When they play and they play up to the, their standard and high level, they can they can be one of the NFL's best teams, and I think that's what everyone's expecting from them uh, this year and this season. I think there's no reason why to think the Buccaneers won't be in the playoffs this year, fighting for a chance to to maybe uh, be the first team ever to host a Super Bowl in their own stadium. So it would be a beautiful thing. Yeah, it would be. We got a long way to go to see what happens with any of this. But right now, what a bounce back game as we're talking right now with Jorge Diaz. Listen, a fantastic treat for me to get you on the podcast here with some insight. Uh, You know this. I'll say it again publicly. Anything I can ever do for you, you let me know. And promise me that we'll do this again at some point down the road, uh, hopefully talking playoff Buccaneers, et cetera. You did great on the Nothing But Bucks podcast here on the breakdown off. Always easier off the wins, but you still did great anyway uh, off of this win at Carolina. Jorge, thank you. It was a treat to have you. TJ, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I look forward to the next opportunity. Always love getting to reminisce with former players, 
as part of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. This is why you got to subscribe. Not just the highlights, not just the post-game interviews, but some extended conversations with some guests as well of Buccaneer lore. So thanks again to Jorge for popping on here on the podcast. All right, so the Bucks have gotten it done uh, once again in uh, second-half blowout fashion. An easy win, cruising to a 46-23 victory over Carolina to complete the season sweep. That means now it is Monday night football with the L.A. Rams coming at Raymond James Stadium. Some fans will be able to be there socially distanced for this one. The Rams off a win over the Seattle Seahawks, very much alive to win the NFC West, battling the Cardinals who won on that last second Hail Mary themselves, battling the Seahawks who have been in first place for much of the year. And again, out of the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, those are teams the Buccaneers would be battling for NFC playoff position as well. Uh, right now, in particular in the wild card race, if it comes to it. So you want this head-to-head win against Sean McVay and the Rams, who will be coming in for Monday night football. Again, that'll be Monday night just after 8 Eastern time, uh, the first of two humongous home games with the World Champion Chiefs being the following home game six days later. Look forward to all of that. My thanks to Jason Berenger getting me the highlights and the interviews and helping put the uh, podcast into motion. Jeff Ryan is our director of uh, broadcasting. Another big win for the Bucks. Another victory Monday as they defeat the Panthers now to get to seven and three and will attempt to be eight and three and in prime position for the stretch run and the P word, the playoffs down the stretch of the year. Hang in there, Buccaneer fans. Buckle up, like Jorge was saying. There's a big expectation for what's going to happen at the end of this year, and it's been a while uh, since we've been talking about the playoff hunt. And uh, with great optimism that you can be in there and do damage with a Hall of Fame quarterback at the controls. That'll do it for now. A reminder again, however you found the podcast, social media link through Buccaneers.com, on the Bucks mobile app, subscribe through the mobile app, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, and look for nothing but Bucks. We come your way as a post-game recap with highlights, with interviews, with special guests, and much more. So this next one will be out on Tuesday. Talking, let's talk Victory Tuesday after a Monday night win over the Rams, shall we, on the next edition of the show. For now, we are done. Enjoy the win for the Buccaneers. We point ahead to Monday Night Football next. And thank you for being with me on Nothing But Bucks. Bye.